Here we are. <laughs> Welcome to what? I don't even know what episode of the Hod Pod it is. Four? Yeah, it's just all a blur. It's been a minute. Um, so <laughs> um, I am a professional private investigator. I've been licensed for 20 years. Um, conduct a full array of insurance defense investigations. So podcasting is not my thing. However, um, it's another channel of marketing and advertising. It's another channel of client relationships and building. Um, I'm hoping that some of my clients watch this. It's a, it, it's a channel to allow our clients, potential clients, maybe employees or potential employees, or just the general public to get to know who I am, who Allison is, who Hudson PI um, are. Yes. Yes. And I think it's really important to talk about all the different things that we do because there might be an investigation that someone doesn't know that we do or um, like what we're going to talk about today is there's a difference between going and knocking on a door rather than doing an investigation on where somebody might be. Past uh, podcast, we went over services. This podcast, we're going to go over service of legal process. What is service legal process? And you guys got to stick with me because we, what we've decided to do is um, give you guys some share some stories with you. You know, I don't know, you go to holiday parties or you go home uh, to uh, back to the family and they, they ask you, can you tell us a story? All the time. All the, All time, the time, right? So stay tuned. We're going to share an exciting story about service of process. But what is service of process, Allison? Well, service of process is the service of legal documents. So um, to give someone notice of whatever they're going to be served with. So if it's a summons and complaint, you're being summoned to court because you're being sued. Or if it's a deposition subpoena or a trial subpoena, you're being summoned to appear. Um, so there's a lot of specific rules that are really important for um, obviously the attorneys to know, but also for us to know. Yeah. So um, often uh, attorneys will use process servers um, or the public may use the sheriffs. How do private investigators get involved in the process? Well, usually uh, clients will come to us. Sometimes they come directly to us and um, and we deal with it, but sometimes it's the process server um, has done their, uh, their diligence, which really is most of the time going and knocking on the door at different times of the day. Uh, but sometimes people aren't going to answer their door. People have ring doorbells. They can see who you are if you're coming up with documents. I mean, most of the time people don't want to answer the door. Might, they're, they get an address, they get the documents, they go. That's their job. Our job is to take it a step further and investigate. No, you're right, Allison. So uh, clients contact us and they have already tried their normal services typically their process server and or the sheriff or um, they've tried normal door contacts and you know most of the time you know most normal people they'll answer the door and they get served it's no big deal once in a while you're going to have your professional witness your person who uh, is evasive normally or they know it's coming and they don't want to get served and that's when you probably need to have an expert like us um, to handle that. Um, so getting into um, 
a, a little bit of our stories and our past. Um, trying to think of a good story that we could discuss. Well, what I think of, how do we always find the evasive people? Usually their family, right? Or their significant others. That's a really strong way to be able to find people. So didn't you have a case that was like, this was years ago. The It was in Beverly Hills, I think. Oh, yeah. So it was about 10 years ago. So I've grown a lot as an investigator. Um, uh, and I've learned so much. Um, but at that time, I was probably mid-career as about... 13, 14 years in as an investigator. Um, and um, I was working quite a bit of different types of cases. Big law firm out of London calls me and they said that they have this difficult serve. Um, and they need to serve someone who left Russia with $200 million. So Russia had um, issued a notice against this person. And they needed to find this person and get them served. Now, typically, um, the serve is a couple papers. Um, in this case, it was two banker boxes. Two huge boxes that I had to carry around for two months in the back of my car. So anyways, uh, picture this. Um, windy, beautiful, windy roads in Beverly Hills. Huge beautiful, mature green trees. Everybody had a $150,000 car and that was probably the maid's car. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, we're talking money. Um, I found this guy. I found his address in Beverly Hills and, um, it was very difficult. If anybody's ever been to the Hills, um, it is very difficult to drive there. The streets are small. There's not very um, many parking spaces. There's a lot of security. There's a lot of police. Um, and um, if you are in a 2012 Ford Explorer, you might stick out a little bit. Um, so it can be very difficult. So what I did, the first thing that I did was I put a team together. And that team consisted of five highly trained surveillance investigators that I've worked with over the past um, 14 years at that time. So let me just interject real quick. You said that you had a team of surveillance investigators. And again, we've kind of talked about process servers and what they are meant to do. Um, but why was it important to you to use surveillance investigators for uh, to serve documents? Yeah, so the the one thing is that we didn't know where he was. We knew that he wasn't going to answer the door and go, oh, thank you. Thanks for my <laughs> box of legal documents. We knew that he was evasive. We knew that he knew he had many people after him. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you allegedly steal $200 million from uh, a bunch of people, allegedly people to the Kremlin, then uh, you're probably not going to be answering your door. Um, so having the surveillance investigators are going to be, we're going to be able to collect information. We're going to be able to collect information from the home, who's there, who's coming and going to establish either a pattern or additional information on where his whereabouts are. Now, mind you, most of the, most surveillance investigators are 
also registered process servers. Um, not to downplay registered process servers, they have a very important part in the legal process, but sometimes you need to get um, an extra level of expertise in order to get that um, those paperwork served. Well, and I think you may, you mentioned a really good point is like they have their job and that they have their task. For surveillance investigators, and this has happened with multiple cases even I've worked on, um, they have an expertise in following people too. Follow, I mean, a lot of people I'm sure that are watching this haven't, well, maybe you followed a family member from you know, maybe from a house to a restaurant or something. I mean, sometimes it's hard to keep right behind someone, even someone who knows you're following them. How hard is it to follow someone when you're trying to be covert and someone who already thinks that they're being followed by everyone? Okay. Try to follow somebody in LA. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you were like, hey, just follow me down the street <laughs> on Sunset Boulevard. No way. It's, it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, um, it is, it's, a, it's very difficult, it takes a certain level of um, expertise. And then also, you have to be discreet. You have to be discreet. You can't, it's not like back in the day where the investigator's sitting across the street from the house with his windows rolled down smoking a cigarette. Like mm -hmm. that's not, that. it's not gonna work that way. So, And I don't wanna jump ahead, but didn't this person also have counter surveillance? on like trying to watch him, right? Yeah, I so, mean... so uh, that's funny that you mentioned that. So, we, so we're sitting there, we're about a week in. We've established that it's a good address for his family. We've established that there's activity, comings and goings. We've established some vehicles um, and we know that it is a good address for the family. Unfortunately, we have not been able to see him yet. Um, we later learned that he had been using um, vehicles that were not um, related to him past us later on. But while we're sitting there, we had four investigators and they were um, at, at this one particular day, we had four investigators there. And then all of a sudden I see somebody I knew and he drove right past me. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty strange. You know, when you're a trained investigator, you're observant, you look at passing cars, you look at people, and I thought, wow, that's that's really weird that he's up here. Um, then I noticed him park. I noticed him get out of the car, and it was an investigator associate of mine. He too happens to be Russian. And uh, he gets out of the car, and he walks to one of my investigator's cars, knocks on the window real loud. And I'm thinking, what, what the heck? What is going on? And I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe my investigator that's working called him and said, hey, bring me a snack or something. I don't know what, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I see them exchange and the investigator rolls down the window, talks to this Russian investigator and rolls his window back up. The Russian investigator gets in his car and then drives down the road. My investigator gets on the, on the phone and says, Justin, I'm burned. I'm done. I was like, what? I was like, yeah, this guy comes up, knocks on my window and tells me to get out of here. He knows that I'm conducting surveillance on, on um, our subject. And I was like, what the heck? 
that then that's when I realized that um, this Russian investigator um, was hired to conduct counter surveillance. Russian investigator ended up popping off um, three of our investigators. Well, and again, I don't want to cut you off, but this is another important point is in high profile cases like this, especially somebody who may have, you know, an exorbitant amount of resources, counter surveillance is not uncommon, especially maybe in some corporate cases, things like that. I mean, we've definitely encountered, um, hey, there's another investigator here, whether they know we're present or not we definitely have noticed that other investigators have been present. So another thing that expertise uh, in this particular type of serving or, or surveillance um, is so important to know who is around. And obviously he, he knew they were there. Yeah. <laughs> he never, he never found out about me. I, I'm pretty sure to this day, he didn't know that I, it was my case and that I was on that. Um, funny enough, he had, ended up meeting with the subject's wife on Rodeo Drive. Um, I had followed the vehicle. It had tinted windows. And so, you know, typically we do not follow family members that are not related, but I didn't know if the subject was in there or not. So I ended up following um, the car to Rodeo Drive. Um, they parked in an alley. And when I was going down the alley, this Russian investigator that knows me, has met me before, knows what my face looks like, walks right past me, doesn't even look at me. And I was terrified because I was like, oh, I'm going to get burned now. He's going to know that I'm on this case. And, but Unfortunately, he wasn't as observant as I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the case continued. Um, the case was uh, fairly successful. Um, what what had happened was, um, well, let me tell you about this neighborhood. This neighborhood, this guy's next door neighbor was Tom Cruise. <laughs> and one of the funny things was while we were conducting surveillance, we'd see Tom leave every now and then. And it, it was just kind of a fun part of the surveillance where we are getting a glimpse of the Beverly Hills life. Um, see um, some of the stars right up the hill from him also is where Jay Leno lived mm. and so um, I thought that was kind of cool too um, well what ended up getting this guy caught that's my favorite part of the story so <laughs> that's my favorite yeah so um, <laughs> so he, um, so <laughs> I mean I don't know how else to say it his but... mistress <laughs> there you go <laughs> his mistress his mistress got him um, we ended up, I ended up conducting some research. You know, this is a good thing about social media research. Um, even 10 years ago, um, 10 years ago, I think it was a little bit actually easier than it is now. Well, people don't know. They didn't know how to privatize sure. and, yeah. you know, do yeah. fake names. Right. And, yeah. So, um, this married Russian billionaire had a girlfriend. And um, the girlfriend lived in Malibu. I was able to conduct some research and determine that um, where she lived. And so we deployed um, uh, an agent out there to kind of keep an eye on it. Now, we were hoping that they would meet up at some point. Well, it turns out while we were conducting surveillance, um, those who don't know Malibu and Beverly Hills, they're, depending on where you are in Malibu, it's a good... 15 miles, 20 miles, and 
those are long miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, miles in LA are a lot longer than, uh, you know, uh, miles anywhere else. So um, I was in Beverly Hills. I had one of my agent friends in Malibu. We're conducting the investigation and I get a call. I remember I had these two huge <laughs> banker boxes of paperwork, which again, that uh, since since then and any time before, I have never served two <laughs> banker boxes full of paperwork. No. Never. It's usually maybe a handful, maybe a stack, um, but not banker boxes. So um, I get a call. It's my guy in Malibu. He calls me up and he says, Justin, I think he's here. I think I saw him inside uh, the patio at the girlfriend's apartment. I was like, no way. Like, why, why would it be at the apartment? I was thinking that she would go meet up with mm-hmm. him. And so he sends me a video um, of who he thought was on the patio. And I was like, that's him. He goes, I think it looks like they're getting ready to go or something. So I was like, I got to get over there. So I get in, I'm in my car. I'm trying my hardest to get out of Beverly Hills. Again, small streets, lots of traffic. And I knew that I could not miss him. So I did whatever I could to get out of Beverly Hills. And then once you get out of Beverly Hills, you got to get onto PCH. Mm -hmm. And PCH is a mess. And so I'm weaving in and out of traffic, obeying all traffic laws, of course. Um, And weaving in and out of traffic. And he goes, they're leaving. And I was like, dude, do not lose them. Do not lose them. Whatever you do, do not lose them. They get in the car. They start going down. Anybody that's been to Malibu knows that it's a mess. Two-lane uh, two roads, windy, extremely congested, crazy. I said, do not lose them. This is our only chance. We have been on the case at this point for about five weeks. And this is the first time that we've seen him. Please don't lose him. Please, please, I'm begging to him. Please don't lose him. This probably gave him, you know, a panic attack. (laughs) He calls me up. He goes, where are you? I said, I'm about five, ten minutes away. I said, they just landed at this restaurant. This restaurant is so cool. This restaurant is right on the beach. It's got this huge glass um, porch um, and you're, you basically can eat right on the waves. The waves crash against the, um, the restaurant and it's just, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. It had to been, I don't know, maybe 75 degrees. It was nice and sunny. They were going to go and have a very nice lunch. Um, so my guy ends up seeing him. So they thought. <laughs> so they, so they thought. thought. So my guy ends up seeing him. And it was like out of the movies. He had the perfect, the perfect seat. It was right on this patio. Um, it was maybe three o'clock. So the sun was right there, kind of in the horizon. It wasn't really a sunset, but it was there. And um, he was right in the middle of this patio, surrounded by a full restaurant of guests that were all having a late lunch. So I get to the restaurant. My guy says he's he's inside there. He's on this overlooking pier patio thing. 
So I walk in. It's like a hallway that goes down towards this patio. So I walk in and I was like, okay, I see him. I knew it was him. I go back to my 2012 Ford Explorer. Did you valet it? Did they turn you away? I did not valet it. And surprisingly, they did not turn me away, even though I was in a t-shirt and cargo shorts. But, uh, you know, hey. Uh, yeah, it's I got Malibu. Lucky. Yeah, you it's know. Malibu. So I verify it was him. I go back to my car and I get these two huge banker boxes. I put them on a little dolly because I knew that I, because of the type of case, because of the individual, I knew that I had to videotape this serve. Mm -hmm. I, ne I needed to create a visual record for court, for potential witnesses, so that it, it was without a doubt that he was served with this paperwork. And in a lot of our cases, we typically do that in this case, I certainly wanted to make sure that well, it was especially done. for evasive people who are going to say, "Why well, was never served?" Um, having some way to prove, well, isn't that you in the video? I mean, you can't really argue with a video. So yeah, yeah. So I grab the two boxes, put it on a little dolly. I grab my camera, and I'm walking down this long hallway. This hallway, it had to feel like it was. I mean, it felt like it was like 600 feet long, because all of these weeks of hard work to serve this person, it was going to be over. And I'm walking down this hallway and the hallway opens up and it's this huge pier-like patio at this restaurant. And it was just beautiful. And people started looking at me like, why does this guy have <laughs> these two huge cardboard boxes and is holding a camera? This is really weird. Was it a big camera? Is it like a little? I it mean, was my big camera. Your big camera? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Okay, because now we have like you know cameras are so small now. You can. Sure. But, I, but I'm like you know 15 yeah. was, years ago. It was I'm 10 thinking, years ago. Or yeah. 10 years so, ago. I'm thinking yeah. like the handheld. But I grabbed what I could get. <laughs> right. I grabbed what I could get. So I walk up. You're like to dad him. on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So I walk up to him. And he doesn't even engage me. He doesn't even look at me. And I'm standing at his table. His girlfriend looks at me and I said his name. Mm -hmm. We're not going to say his name here, of course. I say his name and he says, yes, in a very posh, you know, mm -hmm. like with a slight Russian accent. I said, consider yourself served. And I left the two huge boxes <laughs> right at his feet. I filmed the serve and I walked out like a boss. Mic drop. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, did that, he do anything? Did he just sat there? He continued eating his lunch. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm sure somebody like that is. He knew someday, yeah. It, you know, either he would be served or maybe something else. We don't know. I but, think he was relieved that I was just a processor. That's server. what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, maybe he was waiting for something else. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, um, that's. That was one of the stories. That was uh, that was a story of uh, uh, service of process and uh, the chase of the Russian oligarch. <laughs> I was like, I I I don't have a cool one like that, but one that comes to mind is very short, so it's not going to take up a ton of time. But I I I remember you need to know the rules. Why it's so important to know the rules um, because someone you have to be 
within a distance, a reasonable distance to someone, because people may run from you. They may, uh, you know, stand behind a window. They might be in their car and they feel like, oh, well, I'm safe because they can't physically hand me those documents. Um, so why it's so important to know those rules is because you just need to be within a reasonable distance. You're served. These are legal documents. Identify what you're doing. And that's good. That's good service. So I remember when I first started, I think this was like one of my first or second serves that I did. And I pull up, I'm just thinking of like different houses. This was in a rural area. There's no fence. There's no gate. There's nothing, but there's a long dirt driveway. And I drove up to the top and there was a house and it was under construction and I, a big window big window in the front you can see directly into the kitchen and I saw the subject and his wife cooking dinner I and they look up and they see me get out of my car and I'm waving because I I didn't know if he would be evasive we had not we had no information it was a summons and complaint so he was being sued and so they see me they make eye contact me I'm waving like such a nerd because I'm just like oh okay they're gonna be nice and friendly and so I go and knock on the door and, you know, it takes probably like five minutes. I'm knocking. I'm looking at the window, looking at them like you see me. I mean, what do you want to do here? The wife comes to the door and I say, hey, you know, I need to have these documents for so and so. Um, can he come to the door? And she goes, he, I, he doesn't live here. And I was like, he's right there. I can see him. <laughs> and so I, you know, I went, I remembered from reading, you know, my training and reading the rules and I went, so-and-so, these are legal documents. You're served. I'm going to leave them right here. Uh, Cause she wouldn't take them. So I said, I'm going to leave them right here. And then I, you know, said, you're served, got back in my car and just backed down the dirt driveway. <laughs> and it funny. was just such a weird, like that one's a little bit, not as crazy as yours, but I just think of people just being evasive and, it's so confusing because even if you see someone, right. people will lie. So you have to know the rules because right. someone, maybe if they don't have the experience, they might go, okay, and then be like, well, I'm going to leave these here. But that might not be enough. Right. You need to identify who you are, what you have, you're served. Um, and I think I, I also had it on video too. It, yeah. it was a little dark so you couldn't see right in the window. But again, it's just so important why we're investigators and why we know the rules because we have to go above and beyond so that they can't fight that in court. You know what's funny is that um, some of the people, they either watch too much TV or mm -hmm. something, and they think that subpoenas or uh, summons and complaints are like a virus. <laughs> I didn't touch it. You know, so it's not. Good. I didn't touch it, so I'm not served. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. No. Unfortunately, no. Yeah, just yeah. So I don't know. So that's just the first story because I think that was like the second person that I served, and I was like, so. This was I was just seven years ago now, but I was so confused why this person was like, oh, but yeah. now now I'm not confused. Now I'm like, oh, this sure. is normal. This experience. is exactly what people and that, do. You know, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to experience. Uh, our clients and potential clients. When they hire us, um, they trust that we know what we're doing, that we've been there, and that we've had these difficult cases. And that um, although their case may not be a Russian oligarch chasing no. them through Beverly Hills and Malibu, we have that experience so that um, we can get that done for Well, them. and they have enough on their plate. So let us do the serve. Let us do it right. Um, don't have to worry about it. Uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I have our clients tell us is like, I know you're going to get it done. So it's fine. Yeah. We are experienced in these types of services. And if you wanted to learn more about us, you can always go to hotsonpi.com. 
Um, our bios are there. You can look for us on LinkedIn. We hope that you'll follow us and engage with us. And um, our hope is that we can continue to share these stories with you. Of course, we're always going to protect um, our clients' interests. Um, we're not going to share stories that we feel are, um, you know, inappropriate um, and or um, you or know, open cases. Open cases. Yeah, we no. would never do that. Look, these cases uh, have been filtered. Um, th this case in particular that we're sharing is a decade old. So we will share some of those cases, give you an idea of what our um, experience is. But um, we're also going to make sure that we protect our clients and protect um, their cases. So um, I'm Justin Hodson, and I thank you so much for listening to us. I hope that you enjoyed it. And... I'm Allison Peacock, and we'll see you next time. See you guys later.